Well, because it's the holidays, we figured we'd hold auditions for anyone who wants to do the announcements at this church because, because those, goodness, I, I even yesterday, I was at the Publix Deli and I asked one of the people who was making my sandwich if she wanted to audition for the announcements. That's how brutal they've been. I apologize, folks. Anyway, uh, welcome to Downtown Harbor Church. I'm Adam. I'm the lead communicator around here. We are wrapping up this week our five-week talk discussion that we've had called Happy Life. And I got to tell you, it's been a really, really cool time. And I get, I've talked to some folks who've been coming and interacting, and they've been talking about how much this particular series has kind of meant to them and how much this has even kind of defined a little bit of the DNA in our church and who we are and what we're doing here at Downtown Harbor Church. And so we started the series with this, and I kind of want to close the series with this so you can understand it. It was this idea that everyone's mad, right? That everybody in culture that you meet, uh, you know, they're mad. There's, just got, there's an anger problem out there, and whether it's related to politics or, or, or just life in general or things not going your way, that everybody's got an opinion, and everybody's mad. And we noted this on week one as well, that specifically this group of people is mad, Christians. And I've experienced this in my church world, in my church life. I don't know what it is, but there's just this idea that if you're a Christian, anger comes along with it. And so one of the things that we've said here at DHC as we talked about happy life was this idea that if you have said yes to Jesus in your life, if you have said yes to following after him and following after his teachings, then you should have this idea of inexpressible joy, that we should be the happiest, healthiest you know, people on the planet who are enjoying and loving this one and only life that God has given to us, and that people who aren't a part of the local church should look at us and go, I don't know what that group of people has but I want it, right? And so that's what we've been talking about is we've been talking about this idea of us having a happy life. But I wanna kind of present an idea to you today and it's gonna be an important time for us. This is a really important message. I wanna put a word up on the screen that describes what your life is like kind of after Jesus. And here's the word, it's testimony. So when you say yes to Jesus, and there's that moment in your life where you say, yes, I understand and believe that you are who you say that you are, and that you are God's you know, son that has been sent to the earth. You've died and risen again. You've predicted your own death and resurrection. I'm with you. When then there's that moment in your life that you say that, then you kind of craft this thing called a testimony. And it's this idea that you would tell your story about how your life is different now that you've said yes to Jesus. And you know, a lot of times testimonies in local churches, if you've ever heard one, they kind of go like this. They're like, well, you know, I really had a pretty good life. I went to high school. I went to college, maybe partied a little bit. Then you know what? I went down to South Beach and I, I kind of moved to Florida and started living that life and sure enough hung out in the club scene a little bit and wore really nice suits and that, that's kind of you know what I did and, and, and I had really nice things and I lived in a high rise, right? Had valet, okay? Valet's a big deal, right? Like, like to shop, like to do things, like to go out a little bit. And then inevitably every testimony kind of goes, hey, well then I said yes to Jesus. And so now I'm different. I've taken my life and I've pivoted. And so now, but, but this is a lot of things that I've heard in testimonies after you've said yes to Jesus, right? Now I'm different. Here's a couple of things that I've heard. I only shop at Hobby Lobby, right? This idea that it's just, that's, that's not where I shop. I've said yes and now I'm here, right? Here's this one. I eat at Chick-fil-A daily, okay? <laughs> now let me, let me tell you this. There's nothing wrong with a spicy chicken biscuit for breakfast. And I think they got rid of it recently, and I was mad, and I signed the petition, so now I have to have the spicy chicken sandwich. There's nothing wrong with that, right? But this is inevitably what so many people that I've met Christians have done. And then I've, I've pulled the plug on television because there's stuff there that I can't, you know, allow my holy eyes to witness, right? So I've pulled the plug on TV and what that looks like. And then, 
inevitably this is something that everybody closes their testimony with, at least that I've heard, is that the radio presets are 99.5, the fish. And that's, and, that's, and that's fine. There's nothing inevitably wrong with those things. Those are all good things. But I started to think about this, and I've heard all these testimonies, and I said, you know, the previous life, the one that you described, sure sounds a lot more fun than the one that you're leading now. And don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with this, but it's almost this idea that after you've said yes to Jesus, that the only thing that you do is associate in Christian circles and wall yourselves off from the very communities that Jesus has called us to reach. So I've said, man, the old life pretty, seems a lot better than this new one you're talking about. And so I started to ask myself this question, why is that? Why is this idea that we are walling ourselves off and the things that we do are only the things that I've mentioned? And by the way, those are kind of over-exaggerations, but you've known this if you've been around the local church for any length of time. You've seen this. Because we've been led to believe something. We've been led to believe that the things that I just described or the things that I just put on this stage, we've been led to believe something, that they are holy. That the more time that you spend in church and the more time that you're in classes and the more times that you're in choir and the more times that you're in group and the more times you come in here during the week that you become what? Holy. In fact, I've heard this statement a lot. I'll never forget like when I heard it. It was at a church in Michigan and I was in this room and I'll never forget when I worked there and we were kind of having a discussion and someone said this to me. And I'm gonna, before I put it on the screen, I just I, I couldn't wrap my mind around this and what this looked like. And this is what I was told. I said, God doesn't want you to be happy. He wants you to be holy. God doesn't want you to be happy he wants you to be holy. Now, there's nothing wrong with holiness. There's nothing wrong with getting closer to God, the creator, Jesus. There's nothing wrong with that. But I couldn't find this anywhere in the scripture, that we were not meant to enjoy our one and only life that we have here on this earth. And furthermore, that we weren't meant to interact with people in a different way to show them who Jesus was. So let me pivot. And I want to make a point for just a minute about this earth that we live in, this world. Because God, this is something I believe. I believe this is all my heart. God created the world. And this is a massive understanding that I don't understand the, you know, every context for. And I don't understand how it happens. And he's bigger than us. But here's what I believe. I believe that in some way, this supreme being known as God the Father created the world that we live in. This earth that we are inhabiting, it's created by a supreme being that we call God, right? But I believe this, but I also believe something else. I believe he created the world for us to enjoy. I believe that he created the world for us to enjoy. Let me make another statement about the world. And this is controversial, so look up here. Stay with me. Don't, don't miss this. This is something that is kind of controversial, but let me unpack it. It's something I want you to know. You can find happiness in the world. You can enjoy what he's created. Think about this for a second. Think of if everything is made in God's image, and he made the world and we can enjoy the world, then we should enjoy the things that he's created. You've been in nature before. You've seen this. I took a cruise to Alaska about three years ago, and I sat in awe of this amazing glacier that God created, and I sat on a balcony and just said, I enjoy what he's created. You can also enjoy the people that he's created in this world, your friends and family, and people have created things for you to enjoy. Whether that's going out to find restaurants or that's go find restaurants or that's going out to a happy hour with someone or that's going out to the beach. God has created the world to enjoy and you can find happiness 
in the world, in those things. That's not a bad thing. That doesn't mean that you can't find happiness and rest in a holy God either, right? They're not exclusive. They're not mutually exclusive. But a lot of times, Christians, the local church says the exact opposite of this. Now, before I go into this, right, let me um, give a little bit of a disclaimer, right? If what I've said earlier in your previous life, kind of before Jesus, or before you've said yes, if anything that you're participating in allows you to sin or participate in destructive behavior for you or those around you, you should walk away from it and leave it. You should not participate in that. But everything that relates to happiness in the world doesn't lead us to destructive behavior or sin, right? So you can find happiness in the world, in nature, in the things that God's created, in the people that he's surrounded you with. You can be happy. And if we're talking about happy life, it's important for us to understand that because a lot of Christians have told me that this is not true, not allowed. The reason is, is this, is that Christians have misinterpreted a phrase. Gang, we've misinterpreted a phrase. And this is something that I want to bring to you, and it's so vitally important for all of us in this room to understand this phrase because you've heard it, if you've been around the local church for any length of time, and you're probably going to hear it again. Here is the phrase. In the world, but not of the world. Let me tell you about this phrase because it's important. This is a Jesus phrase. This is something that he said. So if Jesus said it, we're like, like, we're taking it really seriously, right? We're going, okay, this is the guy who claimed to be God and died and rose again. So we're totally taking what this guy says 100% serious. He said this, but what we've done is we've misinterpreted this phrase because what this has led Christians to do over the course of time is this. It's allowed them to withdraw themselves from the world. It's allowed them to go, nope, we can't do it. We're going to take ourselves out and only be with people who are just like us in our little holy huddle, and we're only going to go to Christian things and Christian events, and we're going to hang out with Christian people. And then furthermore, do you know what I've heard? And this just breaks my heart because I feel like so many people have missed it. I've heard people say, you know, this life, it really doesn't matter to me. Being happy here, engaging with those around me, really doesn't matter to me. This life, I'm just passing through to get to the next one. But the problem is, because there's always a problem, is that Jesus taught us a whole lot about how to live here and now in this world. And he taught us a lot about what the next one is going to be like as well. But he said, don't miss today, here and now. And so what so many people do is this, is they're missing out on happiness in an attempt to pursue holiness. Because we've kind of confused what holiness is, and we've walled ourselves off from a world who needs our presence. And I told you that I was going to kind of construct an argument today, so stay with me, because the end is just going to like hammer it home. But, but I, want to, I want to tell you why people miss out on happiness and living in the world with other people in an attempt to pursue holiness, because there's a conception about the world, and it's this, because the world is evil, because the world is evil, and there are evil things that go on. Now, don't misunderstand or misinterpret me, or misinterpret me. There is a lot of evil in this world. 
There are horrific things that happens, and there are bad behavioral patterns that we should stay away from and we should fight against. We see it in the news all the time and in the media, things that go on in the world that we should be standing up against and we should be helping the cause of Jesus move forward. But we, the, the, the conception is, is that the world is evil. And then so people say, okay, because there's evil things out there, I can't go near any of it. I'm going to wall myself off and stay in my own little circle. And I'll tell you where this comes from. It comes from Jesus. Because before Jesus died, he had a massive, amazing prayer with his father. And it's recorded in the ancient scripture in the book of John, chapter 17. And this is a line from, these, from this prayer that he was having with his father God before he was going to be killed. And he said this, he's talking to God. I have given them your word, right? He's talking about his followers, his disciples, those who would follow after him. He goes, I've given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. Jesus is saying, we don't belong to the world. But then he goes, I'm not asking for you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong in this world any more than I do. And so what Christians, the local church has done based on these specific verses, is they've misinterpreted the meaning of these verses, and they've allowed those verses to pull themselves out of culture and to go wall themselves off from a very world that needs it, that needs them. But see, a lot of times we stop there and we go, okay, that's in the world, not of the world. Jesus said it. Yes, he did. And I believe it. I agree with him. But I disagree with our interpretation of what that means. I don't want to be walled off from a culture that needs every single one of us in it. Because we stop there with the verses, but the truth is Jesus went on. And we don't like to talk about this one as much, but I'm going to put it on the screen. It says this in John 17, verses 18 and 19. Just as you sent me into the world. Then he goes this, I am sending them into the world. His followers, his disciples, us, I'm sending them into the world, and I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. Do you know what Jesus did because he believed in this so strongly? He went and died so that every one of us could carry on who he is and his message. That's how much he believed in this. He said, I'm sending them into the world to be a light to a broken world. And so let me make a point, because it's so important for us to understand and kind of reconcile our faith with what this looks like. This is so important and so true for each one of us to understand. And if we get this wrong, if we don't get this, then we miss out on this central core message of Jesus and what this looks like. It says this, we need to figure out how to incorporate faith into daily life. We need to figure out how to incorporate our faith into our normal daily life. Because for so often, you have this church life and then you have your real life. And more than likely, this church life is what consumes Christians and it's the only thing that they do. But how can we take our faith, that say yes to Jesus moment and pivot and then go love our neighbor as ourselves, as he said was the most important thing that we can do, our faith in Jesus, how can we take that and incorporate it into our normal daily life? life. I want to tell you a story just real quick. I just want to tell you a thing real quick. I love the local church. I have given my entire life 
because I believe in the local church. I believe so strongly in what we do. I believe that the local church is the hope of the world. It is the central place where people meet and then go out and change their communities because they believe in this message so strongly, right? I've given my entire life and will continue to give my entire life to the local church because I believe in it. But I want you to know something else. I think this is so key for us to understand because we miss this point. You can enjoy other things than going to church. God created this world for us to enjoy. God created other people for us to enjoy. But so often I've just heard Christians say, no, I got to do this and it's the only thing that I can do. I'm going to wall myself off. My goodness, we are missing the central point of the message of Jesus. Because so often Christians only associate with their own kind. So I can't be around anybody else. I can't be around those people who do that. Let me ask you a question. If this is an attitude that you have or you've seen, do you know what it says to those around you when you don't associate with them? Because they know. They know exactly what it says to them. And they feel things about Christians. And these are stereotypes, but you know what? A lot of times, it's absolutely true. Here's what it says. It says you're better than them. When you don't associate with people who aren't like you, and don't think the way you think, and don't come to where you come, it says to them that you're better than them. It also says that you think down on them for whatever they're doing or participating in. And I'm not advocating for or justifying everything that people do. Some people make a lot of stupid decisions. That's called sin. That's called getting far from God. That will ruin your life. I'll say it all day long. But when we don't associate with people who are different than us, it says to them, hey, we think down on you. And then finally, it says this, and this is so key for us to understand, that you judge them. It says that you judge them. That I know that you're not like me, but I'm better than you, and I'm closer to God because I have a connection to him, so I'm going to judge you for the way that you behave by not associating with you. So key, gang. So key. But there's a problem. Because there's always a problem. If you were here during the summer, I did an eight-week series, talk, whatever you want to call it, called Revolutionary. And I spent eight weeks looking at, in my opinion, the most powerful message that Jesus ever gave called the Sermon on the Mount. He gave this message on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee. And we don't know how long or over what period of time he gave it for, but the content of that message was revolutionary to a world and a culture that just so needed to hear it. And on week two of that message, and if you want to go online, you can find it. All of our messages are archived online. Week two, I talked about two things, salt and light. And Jesus first talked about salt. And he said, hey, salt is a key ingredient of the time. It was actually used as a preservative. People in culture depended on salt. So Jesus made a comparison to his followers, those who would follow after him, and to salt. And here's what he said. He said, you or the salt of the earth. This earth needs you just as food and things needed things back, and salt back then for preservative reasons. This world needs you because you understand what love is, and you understand who I am, and you're going to understand how to love other people as yourself. And then he talked about this. He talked about light. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, it starts, and it says this. He's talking to this group of people. He says, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. If you 
as a follower after Jesus, are the light of the world, why in the world would you ever wall yourselves off from a community and people who need to see what love actually really looks like? You can't do that if you hide yourself. And then he goes on and says this. He goes, hey, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. And then he says, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. If this is not convincing enough for us, I have no idea what is. Because these words are so crystal clear that this world, which is a broken, dark place, you know it, you've been in it, you've seen it. This world needs the followers of Jesus in it. They are a light to a dark, broken world. So I ask this question, how can you let your light shine if you wall yourself off from happiness? So let me make a point here. I said the word happiness, the word happiness earlier, and I said that you can find happiness in the world. And I mean interacting with other people. I mean experiencing nature and going out and enjoying all the things that people have created as well. How can you let your life shine if you wall yourself off from the world? You can't. It's impossible. So let me make a point. I think holiness is good. You should strive to get closer to God every single day. I'm on a journey just like you are to try to figure out how to be closer to this amazing being called God who Jesus proved was alive and real right here on this earth. Let me make a point. You can still be holy and you can be happy. It's possible. I've seen people do it. You can still be holy and you can be happy. We say it like this around here. You got to love God. That is so key and so important to your life. And if you have not said yes to Jesus, in my opinion, that's something you need to do. I have done it. So many people have done it. Say yes and figure out how to love God to the best of your ability. And then we'd like to talk about this because Jesus prioritized this. And we always say around here, it's so important for us to not minimize what Jesus maximized. We got to love others, love other people, those who are like us, those who are different than us, those people who are in our families, our spouses, right? We got to love others. And then finally... Love life. If we understood these three things, everything would be different. Every single thing would be different. I uh, ended up on the phone this week with a random individual who I didn't ever expect to talk to. Um, I don't know him well, but um, we are going to be living in the same building together. Um, Caitlin and I bought a condo a couple of years ago. And um, it's taking forever, as everyone in this room who knows me knows, but it's, we're, we're making it, right? Anyway, I ended up in a random conversation with this guy on the phone, and we talked, we went back and forth about a couple of things, and then he said something just really interesting at the end. He stopped me, he goes, hey, can I, can I stop you for a second? I have to tell you something. I said, yeah, go ahead. He goes, I don't know you well, but I'm friends with you on Facebook. He goes, I think that you are one of the most positive, uplifting people that I've ever, ever seen. He goes, you have this zest for life like nothing I've ever seen before. You just love every day and every minute, don't you? And I said, well, that makes me feel great. Thank you for saying it, but yes, I do. 
because God has changed my life and we only have a limited amount of time on earth, why wouldn't we enjoy every single moment that we could with the people around them and the things around us and the things he's created? But see, when we tend to kind of put ourselves in a box and wall us out, wall ourselves off, I'm not saying that you're not going to enjoy some of those things. You might, but you're missing out on this extreme happiness that can not only change your life, but can change the lives of those around you. See, see, I believe this. Let me say it like this. Holiness and happiness, happiness and holiness, however you want to say it, are not mutually exclusive. You can have both. So I want to um, close with this, a challenge. One of the things that I've sat around with Caitlin and my buddy John a number of times and talked about, because this was a really difficult thing that we all decided to do, to plant a church and start a church. This was the, the most difficult thing I've ever done in my entire life. But I always kind of say, think about who wouldn't be here had we not done this. This is a thing that started so long ago with a conversation just on a porch, somebody's backyard. And I always think about, think about who wouldn't be here or engaged with, with us, with our culture, with our people, had we not done this, had God not led us here. So I challenge you to think about the same thing. If you're walling yourself off from culture, the world, dare I say happiness, think of who might be missing out based on the influence that you could have in someone's life. Because you know what? You don't know what your capability is and who you might reach and who you might show for the first time ever this unexplainable, inexpressible, amazing love that we have. So you might be asking, okay, where's the practical? What do we do? How do I do this? What does this look like? If holiness and happiness are not mutually exclusive, what do I do? How do I make that happen? I just want to challenge you based on what John said earlier, based on our event strategy. Start coming to something. Whether it's jazz right after church today, I'll be out there in the park hanging out with everybody. Or it's next week at the Winterfest Boat Parade, which we're going to do and we're going to put on Facebook and where we're going to meet and it's going to be really cool. And we're just going to hang out. And you know, there are people who started coming to this exact church because we started doing that. And the comment to us was, when they met us, they said, this is a church. You guys seem normal. I said, yeah, well, we pride ourselves on that. It's good. Next to us, there was somebody handing out flyers, Jesus flyers or whatever, you know, happens. But I mean, it's, it's not bad too, but it's just not us. So we have to understand this. Happiness and holiness are not mutually exclusive. And when you know and understand this in your life, everything is different. Things change. And you are a light to a dark, broken world. And people say to you, I don't know what you have. I don't know what you have, what this joy that you have is, but I want it. And I want to be a part of it. And if you've experienced that, you know the life change I'm talking about. Because every single thing is different. Let me pray. Dear God, I am so thankful for who you are and what you do. And I just pray, Lord, that you would guide each one of us through this conversation, that you would bless us and help us to understand this. Help us to understand that we can enjoy what you've created. Help us to understand that your love, when it penetrates our hearts, needs to be shown to a dark, broken, bleeding world. And God, for those of us who've not understood that or have gotten this wrong before, I pray that you would help us get it right in the future.
I pray that you would help us to understand what it looks like and what it means. And so, Lord, guide us, protect us, keep us. Help us to understand this as we live and walk each day to serve you to the best of our ability. And we pray this today all in Jesus' name. Amen.